gang! How's everybody doing today? It's a little bit later than I've been doing these videos just because, you know, I thought, hey, let's see what happens if I do it in the middle of the afternoon rather than first thing in the morning. And today was kind of a chill day anyway. Um, it's rainy here, so I spent my morning really spending some time with my kids and now I'm doing my video. So <laughs> nobody was sitting around waiting for Facebook Friday. So on Fridays, we talk about Facebook. And today we're going to be talking about the big scary data monster. I asked the question, have you seen the Netflix movie The Great Hack? If you have watched it, leave a comment. What did you think? I'd love to see your comments on that movie. Um, and I'm going to address some very specific things from that movie that I thought were kind of problematic and a little bit misleading. And I'm going to speak specifically, obviously, to people who are building a social media audience and who are marketing using Facebook when I talk about data. But today's also going to have some really good, just general information for anybody who is concerned about Facebook and their data, data security. So we're going to talk about that kind of you know, coming from the perspective of somebody who does Facebook marketing. So. I use all of the tools, if you watch the great hack that they're talking about, the tools to build custom audiences for my ads to show content to the right people. And I think that's the first thing that I want to talk about today is what data actually allows us to do on Facebook as marketers and why it's not this scary hiding in your closet under your bed thing. Um, for the most part, data is relatively harmless, actually, for consumers and users of Facebook. If anything, it makes their experiences on the platform better. The way that it makes their experiences on the platform better is it shows them the content that's most likely to be relevant to them, and it's showing them the content based on their interests, behaviors, keywords that they're using. If they watch a lot of videos, for instance, they're going to be shown as somebody who watches videos and then ads that contain videos or video content promoted on Facebook is going to be recommended to them. If they're someone who is really into beauty and fashion and they're doing behaviors on Facebook that indicate that they're interested in beauty and fashion, then ads that are relevant to beauty and fashion with products that they might be interested in will be shown to them. So that's a very basic understanding. What having data and having kind of a data profile for each user does. And love it or hate it, because some people seem to think that this is a bad thing, it actually makes our experiences online and on Facebook a lot better. I don't think that there's a whole lot of people out there who can remember what it's like before algorithms and before data profiles started to show us things that were relevant to us, but it's the wild west. And often when platforms don't have these kind of, you know, indicators of interest, showing them the content, curating them the content, what ends up happening is what you see is a lot of pornography, a lot of spam, a lot of scammy kind of things, a lot of really awful stuff is going to just start showing up. Now you have to remember these things show us what we're most likely to be interested in. So even if you're like, well, they're using my data to curate to me content and decide what to show me. Well, if that wasn't there, imagine then what you'd be seeing because it wouldn't mean that, oh, there'd just be no advertising or I'd only see things for my friends and family. What would happen instead is it would just be random and it would probably be pretty terrible. It would be a hot mess. So the fact that we have these data profiles attached to each individual person and they're getting a custom curated feed just for them 
Facebook serving them the content that they're likely to be interested in is a positive for the most part. It is a good thing. It's what makes this platform one of the most popular platforms is because it's designed to keep you on there longer. So again, you can hate that because you could find it really distracting if everything you're scrolling and everything you see is specifically, you know, meant to engage you. But imagine if it wasn't like that. Imagine if it was just random crap. Nobody would use it. It just wouldn't work. Um, so this is why that exists. Another thing to keep in mind about data profiles too is it's not like you're having like your privacy invaded necessarily because you've opted in to have this behavior and your interests tracked. Okay, so when you sign up for this application, you're actually opting in to say, okay, Facebook, you may pay attention to what I'm doing on Facebook and that you may show me more of the stuff I might like. You have to read the terms and conditions to really understand like what you're opting in for. But not only are you saying, okay, I will use this service and get my custom, you know, daily dose of content for me. Um, it also means that they're going to be looking at those behaviors and using that for research and using that for marketing. And that's what basically people who use Facebook for marketing are buying from Facebook access to that data profile. But it's not your personal, like it's not your identity is being hacked. It's not like I know like every single thing about each individual that the ads are being shown to. What you become part of is an interest group, a specific interest group and niche groups and behavior groups that I could potentially then target with ads that are relevant to those groups. So if I know anything about how to develop custom audiences, I build up my audience of people that I want to target. And then if you're part of that group, that audience, then you're going to see the content that I'm targeting towards you. Now that can be used for good or evil. So if you watch the great hack, you may have felt like, okay, well, I feel like people were manipulated in the elections in the United States. Now that's one side of the argument. People were manipulated. But as somebody who has a lot of experience with Facebook, I actually have a hard time believing that. Okay. And this might be an unpopular, unpopular kind of thing to say, but I actually have a hard time believing that voters were actually manipulated in the US election because of Facebook ads. That's being fed to us because I know there's a, and this is not me saying, oh, you know, Trump is fantastic and everything worked out just fine and dandy. I'm just saying that because the way Facebook's designed, usually the data is used to confirm our biases. Now in the great hack, they talked about identifying people who are on the fence and could possibly be swayed one way or another. Now that's interesting. They were using information they collected about people when people opted in for a personality test. So people saw an ad for a personality test, opted into that, and that has an application, basically traced their responses, but actually looked at their data profile on Facebook and identified if they were somebody on the fence of how they were voting. So that's pretty manipulative and it's, it's pretty much taking advantage of what the data profiles are actually meant to be used for, which is to provide people with content that's going to be relevant and interesting to them. It was definitely like an abuse of power or access, and it was being used in the way that people maybe weren't aware that it could potentially be used. However, I don't think that that's the fault of Facebook, because again, this was more so like a breach of user agreement between the company that was using it to promote you know, and trying to manipulate the election. So in this case, like Trump's people, Trump's marketing people 
they weren't supposed to be using it that way. Cambridge Analytica wasn't supposed to be using it that way. They had told Facebook that they had, you know, deleted the data that they had collected through these personality tests. So if you watch The Great Hack, the one thing that I feel strongly about is that I don't feel like Facebook is at fault and Facebook as a company has taken complete ownership of the fact that this company, Cambridge Analytica, was using the data profiles and the access that they had and the information that they had in a way that Facebook definitely didn't advocate for. They, they don't want people using it in this way. But when we talk about the data monster as a whole, that's one specific case where people who had access to that information and who had an intent, who had an intent in mind, a political agenda, used it to manipulate users on social media, whether or not people were actually swayed in how they voted based on the content they were feeding, well, that's up in the air. We can't really, unless we go to each individual and say, did something on Facebook cause you to vote the way you voted? And to really like dive deep into how people felt about the content that they were seeing. And if it did manipulate them, we can't really, really say 100% for sure that that is what exactly caused people to vote the way they voted. But overall, as a case study, it definitely is a terrible thing that happened that Facebook is now changing the way that they are basically allowing people to use the data that they collect on users. But overall, I wouldn't say that it's there's a data monster or there's a data, you know, there's a, de a breach of <laughs> data. And even the name of the great hack really bothers me because it makes it sound like, you know, what a hacker does, what a hacker does is access is something that they shouldn't necessarily have access to. So if we're talking about the great hack, and that's the name that they gave the Netflix documentary where they talked about this, the only thing that they really hacked was the friends of the people who took the personality test. Now you have to watch the movie to kind of understand what I'm talking about. The people who took the personality test, the they also claimed the data of their friends. So that was because of that's how that application was designed and then it went into Facebook and that's how that happened. So that's the only real like hack that happened. Okay, everything else, like when you sign up for Facebook, you're giving permission for them to track your behaviors and then feed you content that's relevant to you. You give them that permission and there's no hacking going on as well. Like if I'm a marketer, if I create an ad and then you're part of the target demographic that I choose for that ad, that's not hacking, that's the consumer and the service. Um, have you guys heard that expression that if you don't pay for something, if you're not the, if you're not paying for it, then you are the product. So that's kind of one of those like thoughts, <laughs> food for thoughts that are out there. Like for instance, Facebook is free because what has value is the consumer data to be sold to marketers. And actually in most cases, this is a positive arrangement. So this is kind of my point right from the get go. The positive thing about it is if there's something that I know you're just gonna love if I showed it to you and I create a demographic specific ad and I get my targeting spot on, then I put the right content in front of the right people, usually they're happy to see it there. Like if you love makeup and there's this cool new makeup product out and I show you an ad and it's a clever ad with a nice aesthetic that you feel drawn to clicking, that's a positive relationship. There's nothing negative about that. It's the right ad in front of the right person speaking to them. That's how it's supposed to be done. 
Now, when we're talking about what happened with the great hack, they were using it to get information in front of people and kind of like sway people's opinions. And the one downside, of course, with Facebook that they're working to correct is, and I used to always say this is, give them money and Facebook will put whatever you want in front of anyone for better or for worse. So that's problematic. That's definitely something problematic that Facebook has to work on. But is there a data monster? Is there something to be scared of? Should we all delete our Facebooks and run for the hills? I don't think so. I'm actually not in that camp of people. And I really like to better inform people. So I really like to spread this kind of like basic understanding, plain Jane understanding of how this algorithm works, how the data collection actually works. What's really important to remember is they're not interested in your name or you know your name or your face although i have heard that there is face facial profiling going on um conversation for another day um people's faces and identities being kind of tracked that way conversation for another day uh scary technology right but they're not really looking at you as an individual when they're collecting this through the application there might be people who are more interested in who you are as an individual like i said if they're trying to sway an election, for instance, or um, basically do research. So people have been part of experiments. You've probably heard of some of the psychological experiments people have run through Facebook. Um, psycho psychology experiments, I mean. Uh, you've probably heard about those, those rumors that Facebook is, you know, doing psychology experiments on people to kind of figure out, like they'll show people all positive content and then they'll show people all negative content and then they will, you know, bank that information. I don't know how true that is, okay? I'm not an insider. I just can't really see, like, if people are part of these experiments or if there's all this, like, dodgy, fishy stuff going on with our data. If this is true, okay? Assuming, like, play the devil's advocate because I don't necessarily think it's true. If this is true, then what would be the point? Who's profiting from that, first of all? And are we blaming the tech? When we should be going after the people who are running these experiments, the people who are manipulating people's behaviors, people with the political agendas, they're the ones who are just taking this tech, like this technology of Facebook and using it in ways that the designers and the engineers who created it didn't initially intend. I don't think their intention is for it to be used in this way. It's a negative side effect and it's a consequence of this tech, but do we blame the tech? Do we blame the tech and make people afraid of the technology? That That's where I really kind of go, hang on. Like, I don't think that this is like, Facebook is evil and this is what they do and they're an evil company and Google is evil. No, they're technology companies and they're pushing the limits of what is possible. Um, they're developing algorithms and <laughs> creating really interesting technology that we can use for communication and connecting with people and they're collecting data and they are for profit so they are making money but they're not sitting there looking for ways to destroy the world i don't think that that's the case there's no data monster and it's definitely not you know be a friend of the hackers um <laughs> and let let me remind you for those of you who are watching this or listening today to the podcast on the replay i'm not someone who should be a big fan of facebook right now because i still don't have access to my personal Facebook account, okay? So it's been over a month, I still don't have access. The issue with, you know, the dual logins and then my account being locked out for security reasons, uh, 
that's still happening. Okay, so if you're watching this, I'm not somebody who should be sitting here advocating for all the great things that Facebook has done for me because I lost like thousands of dollars worth of, you know, pixel data. I lost access to all of my Facebook pages, my entire network that I spent eight years building. One of those pages has access to over 17,000 followers. Like, I am definitely not someone who'd be sitting here being a fan of Facebook. However, as somebody who has made my living on Facebook, who has seen the good that can come from it by growing businesses and helping other people you know, sell and market their products and services using Facebook, helping people build their audiences and connect people with each other, I don't think that Facebook is this evil, conniving you know, agency out there that has ill intent and plans for world domination. And it's so interesting to me that this is now the message that is being put out there from the mainstream media. So I am going to touch on this. Now, you guys are going to get to know me really well here in the next five minutes before I wrap up. Uh, I do like, you know, things that are a little bit, you know, intriguing, I'll say. I like intriguing things. I like to have conversations about this and, you know, kind of look at both sides and go, hmm, isn't that interesting? Uh, my husband and I, we would consider ourselves a little bit tinfoil hat wearing. We're a little bit, you know, skeptical. We like paranormal things. We like conspiracy theories, although I'm more of like a logical consumer. So I like to ask a lot of questions. I find it interesting, you know, what's out there as far as conspiracies and stuff. But I'm definitely like kind of more of a logical person so I you know I, I would easily dismiss a conspiracy if it seemed too outlandish. However, I truly believe that when the mainstream media is putting out a message that you should be afraid of Facebook, um, so if if you are someone who uses Facebook, you should be afraid of Facebook because of all these evil things that they are doing or facilitating because they're not doing them themselves but they're allowing to happen. Uh, if you're consuming media that's telling you this, saying, you know, get off Facebook, delete your Facebook. Um, these companies are too powerful and they have an evil agenda. If you are someone who's consuming that mainstream message and you're starting to think like, well, that must be true. I, I have something I'd like to put out there for you, okay? So Facebook and other social media has taken away a large amount of the market share that mainstream media used to hold. So over the last few years, companies like Facebook, have taken a lot of the ad spend dollars and a lot of money away from mainstream, traditional commercial media. Now, traditional commercial media had investors, okay? They had people, so invested in trust, people investing in them to feed people the message, the agenda that would best suit their corporate interests, okay? So these companies are definitely no better in any way than any of the social media giants, okay? So what they're putting out there is saying, be afraid of social media. Be afraid of these platforms that facilitate free speech, open opportunities for everyone because there's the opportunity for anybody to make money. If they, they learn the tools in these platforms, you can start a business, grow a business. Um, be afraid of these things. Be afraid of the data monster rather than embrace it and use it to the benefit of growing your business. Um, use it to connect with the information that you want to learn about. Freedom of speech. Freedom of information sharing. So there's a lot of things, yes, that are kind of, you know, dodgy that is going on because of social media and the way it connects, you know, kind of, like I said, kind of toxic 
thinking, um, negative messages and stuff do tend to get spread. So we do have like, like I said, we have the white supremacists and we have the anti-vaxxers and we have all of these things that are now kind of clustering together in Facebook groups and through social media. But again, Facebook didn't create those things. Those things just found communities where they could kind of fester and spread this information through social media. Those are negative consequences, but for the most part, it's positive. For the most part, people are learning more about, you know, how to take care of themselves and eat healthy and that they're not alone. There's a lot of things about people, you know, feeling alone and isolated because of social media. But there's also a lot of people who found their people and communities and like-minded individuals through social media. So when you look at the mainstream message about, you know, be afraid of this platform, be afraid of social media, I just want you to think, what do they have against social media? What do they have to lose because of social media and then you can better understand why they're trying to use these incidents that in the large scheme of things because it's huge it's global it's this immense giant and so the u.s election that situation in that case study that that's very blown up and that information is very much you know like I said it's very much being publicized and turned into this huge thing but in the world of facebook and social media that's one bad thing that's happened where all these other good things have possibly happened. Or there's, it's like having a tiny, it's like having a tiny mole or a tiny wart and being like, well, it's all bad now. <laughs> we might as well kill it. It's just, it's all bad. There's, there's obviously problems like with anything with technology, it's usually ahead of itself. So usually they develop new tech and then the problems arise and then they have to correct those problems. And I'm not saying like, oh, it's all perfect. It's all good. It's all good for everyone. I'm saying, what is it doing really in the grand scheme of things? Well, it's giving people a platform for sharing information. It's connecting people together. It's creating opportunities for people to build businesses, market, connect, grow, grow different like movements and causes. It's, it's not evil in its essence. It's, it's not. And data collection is part of the beast obviously, but how our data is used is really what we need to look at, like who's using it and how are they using it? And is this in a way that is negative or positive? Not saying it's just all bad just because it exists. And when you only consume mainstream kind of, you know, <laughs> the five o'clock news and they tell you delete your Facebook, Facebook's a scary monster. I think these are just food for thought. Like, is it a scary monster or was this this very isolated, specifically, you know, specific incident that affected people and it definitely should be examined because of the consequence of certain things being unregulated and a fault in the tech that is always improving and they're always working to kind of plug these holes. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I did not mean to cough in your ear there. Okay. So I'm going to leave with the question. What did you think of the great hack? Like I said, I think that there's a lot of fear mongering around social media, um, trying to scare people away from it. But the people who are trying to scare us away from it have an invested interest in kind of reclaiming the market share of information sharing and market visibility. Um, they want to appease their advertisers and they have their own corporate interests. So when they're saying bad things about social media in the same breath, you have to remember like what's their, what's their agenda. Um, so I think even the great hack, um, had the intention of turning people against Facebook. It had a really sour 
kind of vibe to it where it was like, be afraid of the information these platforms have on you and what they're putting in front of you. And (coughs) excuse me again. If anything, I think we should question that. Just question it and keep an open mind. So if you watch until the end, thank you again. If you are curious about, you know, Facebook and you want to learn more, Facebook marketing is kind of my jam. So feel free to reach out. Thank you for watching until the end. I'm Brandy Peters. You guys have a good day.